Thanks for listening, everyone. This is Obsessive Comic Disorder, as always. I'm Gene DeWeber. Got back for a second time. Dan Weber. Hey, what's up? Not too much. Just had kind of a kind of chill day. Yeah. I had to get some stuff done earlier, but yeah, doing well now. How are you? Mm, not too bad. Not too bad. Just, uh, you know, working and doing comedy. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I can of, relate. Kind of, my, kind of my life. Yeah. Well, you know, it's nice to be consistent. Yeah. I mean, I don't do it as much. I used to go out all the time. Yeah. Now it's like two or three nights a week, maybe. As far as comedy goes? or Yeah, I used to do it like seven days a week. Yeah, I, I can remember pretty much any mic I was at, I saw you. Yeah. And you, 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 you for a while, you were in kind of thing where you would kind of come and you would do like the last spot of the mic. Was that just like, was there a reason for that or? Yeah, because it's the hardest spot. Okay, so you're just trying to like. I'm trying to make it as hard as possible to make sure that if you go last, the crowd is tired if there's anybody there at all. Yeah. And so if you can get any laughs out of a joke at that moment, then the joke is probably pretty good. Like when the crowd is like good, like it's not exhausted. Yeah. Then it'll be, it'll be fire. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And you, sure, it's nice to know that the joke at least works to an extent when the the crowd is really hot for sure. But you want to, yeah, I get that. Then there are jokes that that work, like, you know, you do the helium open mic or whatever, mm-hmm. and they do well, but they're yeah. not that great because the crowd was like super on board. So you do it at an open mic where like no one gives a <laughs> shit and everybody just stares at you and you're like, oh, all right, that's the, that's the kind of feedback I actually needed. Like, the, yeah, you have to adjust your expectations mm-hmm. at least at open mics for like, to account for like how hot the room is. Well, it's also like, it's good to know if you need to, cause yeah, if you, if it works really well at helium then you're you're gonna have that that kind of false sense of confidence whereas like yeah. you might it might be a fine joke but it's it might not be a great joke yeah until exactly. you had kind of <laughs> put it through the fire so to speak also at helium in particular like for that open mic mm-hmm. if you get a smattering of chuckles yeah that might as well just be silence like <laughs> it's true like it's not just about every joke gets that. So yeah. you have to really be terrible to bomb. Like to just get no <laughs> nothing at that. That's yeah. that's pretty bad. I've seen I mean I've seen I've done it and it's it doesn't feel good. Yeah. And it's yeah. And <laughs> it's funny because I've seen some comedians that take a really long time to get to a punchline and it's in a way where you can tell it's like you could have gotten to a punchline way earlier. Yeah. But also I almost kind of respect that person because they have the dedication to still go through that entire joke that's not funny yeah. and have the confidence to say all that, that shit. That punchline better be fire, man. Yeah. Like it's, you got to pay it off. Like if the For longer sure. they wait, the bigger that hit has to be. Well, like I just watched John Mulaney's new special. Have you seen that yet? I it's like Baby J or something like that. Yeah, they, he talks about going to rehab and shit. Yeah. Right? And so that one's more of a, a storytelling, yep. but it has really good punches in there. Sure. And it's really well done. And it is that thing where like you can like you can tell like he's still doing good. There's just the crowd is attentive. Yeah. No, I mean, Mulaney is that's a whole different. He's yeah. playing a whole different sport than yeah. a lot of people in Portland. <laughs> it's true. So he can do what he wants. Like he's got. Yeah, he's he's just much better than a lot of people. Yeah. And he's he's also built up that the ability to do that too. Yeah. And also has a fan base that's willing to wait for him to get to the part. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, that's also part of it. Like you build up, you build up a fan base and then mm-hmm. you don't have to try as hard, at least as long as those people are in the audience. It's true. It does cause people to get lazy and shitty. Yeah. Yeah. It can just, hinder, yeah. But. but as long as you're not an idiot, or whatever. As long as you can just accept the fact that like these people are laughing because I'm me. So I need to, I need to up what I expect. Yeah. They can't just laugh. They need to be like damn near dying. Like you need to be like yeah. in, in need of help. Well, for sure with the Mulaney, cause I was watching it on a date and like we were kind of cuddling when we were watching it. And yeah. the fact was that like she had, she was doing like cuddling and I kept on laughing to the point where like I was like reverberating my yeah. body. And I was like, this is probably a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of what you want from comedy, you know, like yeah, you want I mean, that, you want sure. it to be that good <clears throat> where, you know, you're, you're almost like, is, am I making this uncomfortable for this person? Oh yeah. Yeah. Me? I want to make this person feel ill. Yeah. <laughs> Because like it was like I could tell like it was these were big big enough laughs where my body was moving. You yeah, know? yeah. 
But yeah, so we are going to be talking about Planetary by Warren Ellis, and I just forgot his first name. It's Cassidy. Um, John Cass. I'm just Cassidy. looking at the book. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm looking at the omnibus that you have. Yeah, it's the complete. I read all of the, I didn't read all the spinoff stuff because I figured we we're going to cover the main series. Yeah. I'll eventually get to that because there's like a Batman spinoff. There's like a crossover with JLA or something like that or JSA. Yeah. Stuff like that. But like the Batman crossover is pretty weird. I like, I like it, but well, that one is also done by the same team. Cause I know, I noticed at least the, there's like a authority crossover, which I think had a different artist. Yeah. And the JSA one had a different artist. So whatever that means. And within the concept, it's all canon to one extent or another because of the multiverse. Yeah. And this book covers multiverse and time travel and... Oh, yeah. The whole just, the whole gamut. <laughs> yeah. So you had mentioned last time that this is your... Like one of your favorite comic books. Yeah, yeah. Why is that? I like it because it's not a typical comic book. Like they're super powered people, mm-hmm. but they're not out... They don't really... They're not doing it to save the world. They're doing it to find interesting things. Yeah. And like keep the world weird. And that's... Yeah. That's awesome. Like, I I just like all the characters and how it yeah. works and so on. So well, and the narrative structure is a lot different because yeah. a lot of times it, like, it feels like it ends mid-note. Like, it's, yeah. like, not even finished. It's, like, doesn't have the standard, like, ha- or, like, comfortable ending even sometimes. Like, it's some, right. sometimes it seems like they're in the midst of something bigger happening and then the next issue, something else is going on. Yeah, it's pretty serialized, too. There's very, yeah. there's very few, like, I mean, there's an overarching plot. Mm-mm. But typically every issue is a complete story. Yeah. Like th- they, they go do and solve a crime, like a not even a crime, just like yeah. figure out a mystery. That's mm-hmm. kind of what it is. It's more detective work than it is. Well, they call themselves like, uh, they call it something archaeologists. It's like, it's like mystery archaeologists yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the idea is that they're discovering the unknown, essentially. Yep. Or trying to figure out, yeah, just finding the weirdest shit they can. Yeah. And they have the ability to do so because they can survive in places that most people can't exactly and well because like i forgot what jaquita's powers are i know she's just like super tough and can then really strong well and she's like the daughter of the of basically the tarzan analog tarzan and like almost like black panther yeah yeah he's kind of i mean he's he's stronger than tarzan like he's definitely like they show him at lord blacklock i think is his name and they show him like punching a tiger (laughs) to sleep (laughs) or something like that he like no there was a giant snake that he just jumped up and elbowed and it knocked it out so yeah and they're from like some super yeah some kind of wakanda analog well yeah because what it is is he's like a tarzan analog the rest of it's like a wakanda analog and there's they have a big thing against um interracial like kids basically like getting having kids between the society yeah Um, they did they believe they're very adamant about their gene pool being pure yeah in their hidden city yeah so right when all of a sudden because like her mother like as the city is falling down and going underground i think that they're supposed to still be alive but they're just like gonna live in a different like seclusion or something like that yeah they're just not gonna come back to the surface yeah she hands jaquita as a baby to elijah yeah Um, elijah snow elijah snow which is uh probably the most important character in this oh yeah for sure the main character easily yeah yeah Yeah, because it starts off and he is approached by planetary and chiquita and um drummer drummer yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and he is he's just in like a bar in the middle of the the desert yeah a diner that's pretty much specifically set up so that he can go to it while he's in seclusion like they don't serve any other customers. There's nothing. No. There's not even a road to the diner. They have to take a helicopter <laughs> to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And his whole thing is he's been alive since he was born in the year 1900. Right? Yeah. He's one of the century babies for the previous century. Yeah. And there's uh, Jenny Sparks, <clears throat> which is a member of the authority. Yep. And they mentioned a couple other people. As There's the... There's the, the yeah go ahead the james bond kind of guy yeah he's yeah. one of them yeah he's one of them there's the guy who's uh like doc savage mm-hmm. i can't remember what he, his name is 
but he he's looks one exactly of them. like Doc Savage. Yeah, so. I mean, they didn't even a lot of them. They didn't even <laughs> they made the character look exactly like the thing, and then they named yeah. it something close. Well, like the Lone Ranger one, yeah, which yeah. not only is the Lone Ranger, but they also had the uh, Green Hornet connection, yeah. which is that's the Green Hornet is the grandson of the Lone Ranger. So. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, yeah, they, they've got a lot of weird stuff. All those century babies were. Yeah. And his job, like every one of them have a different purpose. And Elijah finally realizes that yeah. his purpose is just to preserve things. Well, yeah. Well, he, his, his about halfway through, there's a big reveal about yeah. the truth behind Elijah. Because at first they make him seem like he's the new third man. Yeah. There's sort of, there's three people who are usually going on the investigation and a fourth man who's behind the scenes. Yeah kind of controlling everything and you find out that the original third man it was kind of killed but also like suspended in animation basically it he yeah he uh he saves himself by yeah. putting himself in a bubble of like basically like no time yeah like he, there's no time passing where he's at yeah so he's perpetually wounded in yeah. stasis <laughs> yeah pretty much which kind of doesn't pay off until the very end of the book of the series but that's true although he does appear in a couple of occasions and i i thought the character was like really that ambrose i think is his name yeah ambrose yeah and he's like that's a weird one like yeah like the things about like the authority in this book like some of the superpowers are just odd like yeah. there's this you know like the guy who's the john hawkmore the king of cities oh yeah in the authority this guy's kind of similar in that he can warp reality but it's like he doesn't <laughs> He just like starts it up and he has no idea what's going to happen really. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's cool for sure. That reminds me a lot of, there is, have you ever read Supreme Power by J. Michael Straczynski? Supreme uh, Power. Uh, so it was a reimagining of Squadron Supreme, but it was done like during the Marvel Max era. So uh, they, I don't think they, I read that. No. It's it's really good. It's like a it's like a lot of stuff through Marvel though. It started off really good and then it slowly got worse as they like tried to change yeah. stuff. But it started off as like because Squadron Supreme was originally supposed to be sort of a satire on the Justice League, but they were originally appeared as villains. Yeah. So Supreme Power was like a modern day reinterpretation of that. And so like the Superman character, which is Hyperion, is found by farmers, but actually taken over by the government and they assign a fan, like a parents to him. Yeah. And there's one character, and I forgot what his name is, but he has the ability to control probability. So, oh, yeah. so like when, you know, it's like, he's like, it's like the Schrodinger's cat idea. So like anytime he has the option of there being at least two different options, he can choose which option is the one that actually happens. Yeah. Which seems very similar to like the kind of powers that are in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. It's, I don't know, like it really starts off as a mystery and then slowly reveals over time that the Fantastic Four are the main villains, which yeah. is also <laughs> just delightful to me. I think that's, that's, yeah, that's really Cool. And they also make them like super weird. Like mm -hmm. the, the guy who's supposed to be the thing is just this gross monster. Like yeah. this, he's got like one leg way bigger than the other. <laughs> and he's just like stumbling around. He's, he got fucked up. Um, yeah. But he's just, and then they, they can't even, they don't think there's a way to kill him. So they just put him on a ship. Yeah. And like, or they, he, they get him to go to this like arc. Yeah. Just the traveling through space and time. Mm -hmm. And then they just blast that arc. They launch that arc off into space so that he's just gone. Yeah. Like they don't ever fight that guy. They're like, no. there's no chance they well, would have any, no hope to fight that dude. Well, Elijah's whole thing is, is always trying to find like the smart, the intelligent solution to yeah. everything. Yep. So like even, I don't remember if that was the same. There's the one that was a two-parter where they found a new species basically that was coming out of this giant. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's it had like a 2001 Space Odyssey vibe to it at first. It's coming out of a giant. Yeah, There's... they showed like these these like they showed this like dead. It was almost like a celestial. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh, and man. his whole thing is he's literally trying to destroy this, this species before it can like take over basically. Yeah. But it's all that kind of stuff where like he doesn't always seem like even the like a good guy in no. a lot of ways. No, like, he's he's not a hero. No, like <laughs> this is very I, one of my I, I will say one of my favorite issues, and I forgot the name of the character, but they have a character that is basically John Constantine Hellblazer. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And by the end of the issue, he looks like Spider Jerusalem from yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> he's just like a punk rock wizard and Yeah. He in has England. the he has the same tattoos as like they 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 literally use the same character design. Which oh yeah, yeah. No, they they do that a lot. Like there's a lot of different critiques of different yeah. kind of heroes. Like there's the one with the Hulk mm-hmm. where they they just kept him at the bottom of a missile silo <laughs> yeah. for like a hundred years till he starved to death. Yeah. They think he's dead, but they're not even sure. They're just like, <laughs> We gotta get out we gotta put him somewhere else. And Elijah wasn't, he just went to go find out what happened. He didn't go to save. No. Like, no, they don't, he doesn't really, they really save a lot. He saved Drummer. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, kind of not, kind of just hoping for the best. I will say like having read other things by Warren Ellis, this kind of felt like he was trying to channel a little bit of Morrison in this, like Grant Morrison style a little bit. I I get that vibe. Yeah. I feel that. I guess, um, and I'm not saying like, I'm just like, if you were to say like, for example, trans, cause if you were to read this and Transmetropolitan next to each other, for example, completely different vibes and stuff. Yeah. There's one's kind of like a full on satire on a post transhumanism future of like cyberpunk and like yeah. society. And this one is more of like a commentary on just comic books as a whole yep. basically just the history because you really do go through like the different history of comics oh, yeah. and characters and just the they're always i mean obviously every character is a they change the name and kind of change the appearances of them yeah not even they don't try that hard <laughs> not in I mean, a lot of cases yeah i mean even the fantastic four and they look like just like the future foundation version of the fantastic four when they have like the white suits yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean the the yeah they the Mister Fantastic character who's supposed to be the genius mm-hmm. in Fantastic Four is like has the whole thing he does everything he does because he has an inferiority complex. Yeah, like he's just bummed. He was supposed to be <laughs> the son of one of the Century Babies, and instead, like his wife got knocked up by somebody oh, else, yeah. and so he's he's like pissed. Like he's just mad that he doesn't have superpowers, so they they arrange it so that these super aliens hmm. give them such things, which is you know it's very and they don't ever describe his powers. No, they just he can ex, they just like he can extend himself into people. Yeah, like but it's they 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 keep that real nebulous. You never see it. Mm-hmm. So that honestly, that's yeah, that's one of my favorite parts is that. Like some of the characters just have like powers that you don't know. Yeah. Like they're just like, he can do this. Maybe like they're not, no one's real sure Yeah, about what he can do. They know that he's like smart and he's, well, he's not as smart so much as he is like a psychopath and yeah. willing to do whatever to whoever to find out what he wants. Which honestly, if you think about Reed Richards and a lot of the extents he's gone in things, he's not that far away from being a psychopath in himself. No. I mean, they've yeah. got that one version of him, what, called the Maker? I yeah. Think. He's yeah. like the villainous. And he's not a lot different. Like mm-hmm. he, he just does... A little bit more. But Reed Richards is like, he's done all kinds of crazy shit to like almost wiped out the universe on multiple occasions just because he thought he was the only one that could possibly have the solution. Well, and like I, I was reading, I've been reading the Jonathan Hickman run, which has the Council of Reeds, where there's right. like an entire multiverse and every other Reed has decided to give up their family because they think yeah. that they're just all like narcissists who think that they're the definitive solution in every universe they exist in, basically. Yeah. And they're, they're by and large wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, but that's kind of what, I mean, it's kind of has a, the four in Planetary have like, the evil version of that where they yeah. just they don't they think they're the only solution because they've taken out all of the information yeah. and all of the technology to themselves so they've they've arranged it so they they just think earth is like their plaything yeah well i remember there's there's the one basically they're going between different earths too which is pretty fantastic for yeah. them honestly the negative zone and the the multiverse and everything else like that i know there's this one where they it just looks like earth is kind of like a like because they show they show in the when they first have and I forgot his name but the Zox Savage character. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'm going to just call every character by the yeah. character of the parody. Yeah, you can call it Doc Savage. That's fine. But the Doc Savage character, when they find him, he is in this cave yeah. and he's got what looks like circuit boards right around him, basically, and it's connecting to reality, though. Well, yeah, they what they did was they made essentially what they thought was a computer mm-hmm. that like made of I think 
energy mm-hmm. that they could use to solve issues. But what they really did was made a gate to the multiverse. Yeah. And then other things that were in the multiverse who were like when they did manipulations on the computer, mm-hmm. it would destroy realities while it processed. Yeah. So a bunch of people from outside of the universe came in <laughs> to kill them, to stop them from doing it mm-hmm. and try to invade this reality to basically to end it. Yeah. And the uh, century babies all fought them off and he was the only one that lived and he, you know, just, he just meditated for <laughs> 40 years until people came to show and his legs were completely like, degraded yeah 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 eventually he like it, it's not even until the end where he has like new legs too yeah. it's like for the longest period he's just kind of sitting wherever he's at basically yeah, he's just sitting in a wheelchair or something yeah yeah he i mean it, he was fucked up like yeah. that's no that's not gonna you can't sit for 40 years and yeah and have your legs not be messed up but I do like that as it goes along, there is this, and it's not always a linear story either. Like no. each issue is a small little thing. I like the issue where he's talking to Sherlock Holmes, for example. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and a Dracula tries to kill him. Yeah. And he freezes him <laughs> solid and kicks him till he falls apart. Yeah, yeah that's that's great. And he's mad at those guys because he's mm-hmm. like, they were like the previous century babies. They were all mm-hmm. born in like 19, the 1800. Yeah, eight, probably 18, yeah. And so they all decided, they all got together and decided to keep things from humanity mm-hmm. and to hide everything and actually make sure that humanity would never see the weirdness that's out there. And he's like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to instead like find the weirdness and let everybody know about it. Well, you also have to think about it. They kind of have to do that too, because this is in the same. This exists in the same world as Wildcats, as The Authority, as I'm trying to think some other like characters. But there's this was the Wildstorm universe at the time. So they kind of had it was the Wildstorm was essentially it was originally through Image Comics. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea was Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, like a few other really big artists names were tired of not getting their credits. Dude, they had a very, it was a very Jack Kirby kind of thing, actually. And they created the image imprint so that they could have creator owned stuff so they could actually create characters and be like, you know, I can actually earn money if any like residuals come from these characters. Yeah. And you have stuff like Spawn, you have, you know, you have, you have, you have the image universe, but then like Jim Lee stuff specifically seemed to be what turned into the Wildstorm universe. Yeah. And, but it's weird because very rarely do any, actually, I don't think there's only a couple episodes where they show any other superpowered people other yeah. than the four or planetary. And like yeah. the couple of the century, ba- the earlier century babies. Honestly, if it wasn't, if there wasn't a reference for Jenny Sparks, you wouldn't even think about this reexisting in another universe, basically. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's weird because I mean, it, they, they do a kind of a good job of explaining it to some degree. Yeah. But the four should just be an existential threat to all yeah. of the other superheroes. And instead, <laughs> none of them even know that they're there. Yeah. Like they're just behind the scenes so hard that they can't be found. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the thing, though, with the Wildstorm universe, because there was a lot of those kind of things where now they've released these collections of stuff. There was yeah. Sleeper, for example, there, which was kind of just like a noir sort of with like a secret agent character yeah. that started off as like from a miniseries about the character grifter trying to solve a mystery out of the costume basically yeah so you have a lot of that stuff because they were allowed to because it was even though eventually wildstorm became part of dc universe which is weird because it essentially went from marvel to dc yeah (laughs) but you had a lot more i think the the creators at the time because it was essentially a offshoot of a creator own thing. They had a lot more autonomy in how they were going to have sure. these things. And, and it was the concept of like, it's not like in the Marvel universe where you have to do a lot more connections and everything else like that. It was this idea of like, it takes place in this universe. And if you need access to any characters or references to any characters, you can do it, but you don't need to. Yeah. At the same time. I do think, I, I think it might be true that planetary, I don't think they're in the same dimension as most of those other groups. I believe they are though cuz there's a direct crossover with the authority and if you read the authority But I thought they I thought they teleported onto their ship. Oh that that's there's a chance of that too. Yeah, that that actually makes sense. But why would they reference Jenny Sparks though? Cuz she is a member of the authority. That is true. I'm not sure. I mean, 
Uh, it's just the only way that I can think of that one of those other people wouldn't have like at least stepped in at some point. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. And I mean, they have, but they have their own thing going on too. Yeah. They, I mean, I mean, they don't reference the fact that the authority takes over earth. Yeah. At some point, like they just decide that they're the king. They decide to rule the planet because they're tired of people fucking up. I still need to read the authority. I've read it. This is my first time going through planetary and honestly, it is not going to be my last because there's so much going on in each issue and especially trying to like read this all in a small amount of time. Yeah. There's a lot I missed. Oh, yeah, and for especially sure. there's just a lot of density in what's going on and <laughs> yeah it's and especially like the style of writing is is just it's very concise and you got it and because of how the issues are designed in this sort of self-contained but also part of a bigger narrative yeah. there's things you're gonna miss really easily if you're not paying enough attention yeah it's got definitely it's kind of got an X-Files vibe. A little bit, yeah. Like if Mulder and Scully were... If Scully had could jump over a skyscraper and yeah. Mulder could freeze people solid, it would be kind of that. I didn't realize initially that this lasted until 2009, though. Because I, I actually didn't discuss... I remember the first time I saw this was right around the time... I think this was around 2011 or 2012 when DC started making all of the Wildstorm stuff. Just say DC on it. Yeah. So they were re-releasing like paperbacks of, and it, I think it released like four paperbacks or whatever sure. of the complete series. And for me, it was more of, I had read, I didn't know much about Ellis at the time, but I had read um, Astonishing X-Men, okay. which, which had John Cassidy as the artist on there. Sure. And so for me, it was like, I like this artist. I want to check out something different. And this is definitely like, you got to be in the mood for this book too. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's, yeah, it's a, it's not your normal comic. It doesn't. Well, and that's, that's why, why I compare it to Grant Morrison, for example, is it just plays a lot with these ideas that aren't completely original to the format, but it's, it's subverting the genre in a, in a kind of a new way of looking at these characters. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. So, do you know, have you ever heard of the comic Super Gods? I, I've heard the name. So, I think it's done by the same person. I think it's okay. a Warren Ellis thing. Okay. And uh, I was reading a lot of his stuff because he had a lot of different things that were like deconstructions of superheroes. Yeah. And Super Gods is a very good, like, what would it really be like for one of these things to be alive? Oh, okay. To be in the world? Okay. Or like... Like if one country got one, wouldn't every other country try to make one too? <laughs> and like how the arms race between yeah. and how it like, yeah, if you want to, I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah. that's basically the deal. And I, and I wonder, and in, in that one too, like there's a lot of analogs of like characters that yeah. have already been established, but they do like, they behave in completely yeah. different ways. Well, I think that I think that oftentimes that's sort of the selling point for a lot of times is if you're going to do a new idea, you kind of want to offer something familiar, you know? Sure. It's like it's like if you were to pitch a movie to a studio, you could be like, you know, something like that. It's like it's like Avengers Endgame meets the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And someone's like, that sounds really weird, but I'm fascinated. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. The Avengers, but directed. What's like <laughs> Wes Anderson? Like Wes Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> Wes Anderson's <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> Just like a bunch of goofy idiots. Yeah, just just a bunch of, a bunch of people with the, some sort of neuroses going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and instead of saving the universe, they're just trying to solve each other's problems. Yeah, they're yeah. just trying to figure shit out. <laughs> trying to trying to figure out how to have a job in a house. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it would be have to be. It would be. It'd be like the uh, the off days of the Avengers, basically at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. The <laughs> off duty Avengers by Wes Anderson. <laughs> Just like, why can't he just trying to find a date using Tinder? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll deal in with alcoholism and some, and some yeah. other thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Planetary, there's one issue, there's one big mystery that they never answer. Mm-hmm. And there's an issue where, for some reason, these people decide to send a ship into a fictional universe. Yeah. I do remember this, yeah. And so they go and they come back, but they bring back a character from there Mm. that kills everyone on board. And then that's it. They don't know what happened to that guy. That guy, the person that came back with them and killed the rest of the crew 
they never find. <laughs> they don't even look for him. And I, they mentioned him one other time later on. I'm trying to remember what his name. Like they don't. They never name. even yeah. mentioned it. They, they oh, don't. Really? They don't say what his name is or anything. They're just like, yeah, there's this just fictional character running around, and like, like how powerful would he be in the real world? Yeah, you couldn't stop it. There's nothing you could do. Yeah, because within within fiction, you're always going to have suspension of disbelief and something a little bit more just ridiculous and yeah extravagant yeah and he was like the they were like well okay and then they never they never looked for him or anything and i was like because they they try to gather up all the resources they can to fight the four yeah and they don't i don't know why they didn't explore that more i thought they were going to and they just never never got paid off but it's pretty much the only thing i wonder because this ran for i think 28 issues i want to say something like something like that or yeah so it's and it ran from like it ran until 2009 i think it started like 99 or 2001 yeah they didn't it wasn't a very consistent release schedule for this okay yeah and so i wonder if there was initially a plan for like a certain amount of issues or if it was just go in until you could stop or told to stop basically because a lot of the problem with comic books is it's i mean it's and i guess it's technically you could look at books as this too because if a book doesn't sell well you might not get a sequel yeah but you have to do that on a individual issue by issue basis because a book can get canceled in the middle of a run because it doesn't make enough sales yeah i think that this one ended Exactly. I think it was one. It's a whole series where they it ended exactly the way they wanted it to. It definitely has that feel. For it sure. doesn't. It doesn't. And there's no reason to keep going. No. And aside from doing some offshoot spinoffs of just kind of like what if kind of. Yeah, yeah. But the I mean, and they could they could go you know show the further adventures of Elijah Snow and yeah. But there's like. Why? why? Well, you've, it's, done, it's, you've done what you needed to do. It's to the point where there was this thing called, there was a reboot of the Wildstorm universe and it was in a series that, it was called the Wildstorm and, and it reintroduced the authority and some other stuff, but he he said he was never going to bring back Planetary again because yeah. it was like a, it's a story that he wouldn't want to retell essentially. Yeah. I mean, it's been, he told, he did it exactly what he wanted to do. Yeah. And it, it tells the story, the you know. In the best way, there's nothing. I don't think you could bring it back and make it better. You would, no. you just fuck it up. No, and it's yeah, it's, it's that concept, and the characters just work really well within this concept. Concept. You don't yeah. need, you don't need anything more. Yeah, I mean the 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 main enemy of like Chiquita is that Chiquita Chiquita is boredom yeah like she's just trying to find <laughs> cool shit to do, and because she can't be hurt by much of anything, yeah, like. It'd be hard to be adrenaline junkie when you're invulnerable. So she's just got to try to find the thing that, you know, that she's constantly bored. Yeah. And being a part of Planetary helps her be less bored. Yeah. Essentially. Pretty much it. (laughs) Well, I mean, Drummer, he's got, he has just insane aptitude basically because he can just learn anything and recreate it. And like, yeah, he's got the, he can, I mean, he can view information but like in all of the yeah. possible ways that could be done because well, he, he, he can hack anything he's who creates the time machine at, at the end there yeah elijah tells him do that he because he's the only one who's essentially capable and i like the i like that the idea of because there's different versions of time travel that people yeah. do and i think the more scientifically accurate if it's possible is the idea that if that the day you create time travel is the day that time travel starts. Yeah. So you can never go back before that period, but people in the future can go back to that time. Yeah. Which is how they <laughs> yeah. sort of solve everything. And they're like, by the time that they're able to come back is when they can fix um, Ambrose. Ambrose, yeah. They save him, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's just, that scene is pretty crazy because it's just like all of the future versions and all of the the multiverse versions show up just to see Ambrose get saved. Yeah. Which is a dope. Yeah. Which is a pretty (laughs) dope thing to do. And all the characters look a little like weird or different. Yeah. Which makes sense. They want to, they want to have that establishment of time has gone by, especially with with characters that are essentially, they're super part of the superpower. So they don't age very much in general. Yeah. So, which I, I like that concept. I like this idea of like immortality because like I I forgot his name, but the James Bond character who shows up in a hand, quite a few issues basically. He's basically he's more like Nick Fury than James Bond. That's true. He kind of starts off though as like a James Bond 
to Nick Fury yeah. kind of that's that's a lot of these too. Some of these are kind of like um amalgamation. amalgamation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of characters. But yeah, he is I guess you're right, he is more of like a Nick Fury character as it goes. Which honestly, Nick Fury kind of started out in some ways just kind of like a James Bond character at different times. So. Oh, sure, yeah. Like if you've read I've got I've had the uh hardcover, but Fury War Gone by uh Garth Ennis. I might have read that. I've read a lot of stuff yeah. by Garth Ennis, so it's so, possible. So this one specifically was part of the Punisher Max uh, oh, universe. Yeah, I, I definitely read it then. Yeah. I mean, I I read all of Punisher Max. That was that that yeah. was a dope series. Well, so this was actually sort of a prelude. It's in the same universe, but a different, completely different story. Yeah. Um, and the idea in this case, he's just like Fury is coming between, and it's sort of like it's a it's during the Cold War and how the Cold War go turns into the Vietnam War essentially. And you have Fury as a liaison, and there's a lot of times where he's going between America. Vietnam, Korea, things like that. And you have him, and I think Frank eventually actually shows up in like a small portion of it. But you have, at the same time, he's got this very James Bond where he's like a womanizer. There's yeah. lots of scenes where he's just kind of like in a bed with two naked women or something like that. And yeah. So like, it makes a lot of sense of him, this other character being a Nick Fury character, as you said. Yeah. Um, but I like his his whole thing about how he says, yeah, it's been like 40 years and I've aged like three years or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's the one I don't know if you remember the uh, the where the the bar where he would meet the Nick Fury character. Yeah, and uh, it's just a bunch of scientists getting drunk before they tie themselves yeah. to an atomic bomb to vaporize themselves. <laughs> there, there was there was some reasoning behind like they had like it was the only way to like really free your soul mm-hmm. or something like that. And I thought that was a pretty cool idea. Like the they're just sitting around getting wasted and then like drawn lots to see who's going to strap themselves to the bomb or they just yeah. decide like once they're done this is how they want to die but because they've detonated so many nuclear weapons in that area you couldn't spy on it yeah it, well this falls into like what i would consider like the like almost like the asimov level of science fiction where it's more actually trying to work within science itself yeah like because there's science there's a science fiction that is in some ways almost fantasy and in in there's 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 always going to be levels where like something is very attentive to science and then they sort of use science as this like overarching like this is what explains it but science could basically just be magic in these yeah. things you know so i like this idea of like using these theories and essentially each one kind of playing around with it, whether it's quantum physics or you know just the concept of like a multiverse and the concept of like you said, like their whole like trying to play with the idea of the soul through an atomic bomb. Uh, yeah. Just vaporize it. Just get rid of your consciousness, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember I don't remember exactly what their what their point was, but they were Yeah. But yeah, that was they've done they do that somewhat in Planetary. They try to come up with like a reasonable way to Yeah. You know, I mean I mean sometimes they don't, but they do they do an they make a they do some hand waving in that direction unlike a lot of a lot of comic books where they don't even yeah. It's just like not even trying to make it seem like it was possible. <laughs> like Reed it's Richards true. just in, inventing things like, mm-hmm. you know, um, created a singularity divide. Like if, what? Like, yeah. Like how did you get, how did yeah. you get to there? Yeah. Yeah. And, but, it, and he builds it just in his lab in an afternoon. It's like, that's yeah, probably not possible. But it's within that kind of deus ex machina idea yeah. where you create a character who is all, has this a, overwhelming ability of anything so within that your the rules you've applied make it make sense even if it doesn't make any sense at all yeah exactly yeah that's just that's just good fiction as far as it goes and then you also i love my my favorite thing about a lot of things within marvel is it was stanley who at the time was pretty much the only writer for marvel for probably like the first five to 10 years, something like that. And he was working with several artists and the artists were doing most of the legwork. He was, I don't know if you know this, but like the, you know, the Marvel method, right? Uh, refresh me. That's this funny. This is the third episode in a row. I'll be describing it, but that's fine. It's basically the idea where you have a very minimal description on the page. Someone says something like, you know, Spider-Man swings through New York or Galactus destroys New York or whatever. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of stuff took place in New York, let's be honest. But yeah. And then the artist comes in, puts all the legwork in, and then Stan Lee would come in and put the dialogue on top of the pages. Oh, okay. 
and also his like exposition that was never necessary. But, yeah. you know, so within that, you have this idea that a lot of things were sort of playing with ideas that were within science. But at that time, it was very much that sort of magical science. Sure. I mean, a lot of these things were made when they we didn't know. Yeah. Like if science wasn't that far, far along. I, I like I like it when you when they discover things that are actually possible because like even like within a certain concept even Superman is possible within like certain guidelines like there's something about the idea because it's like within him coming from a, another planet where the gravitational pull is heavier oh sure yeah his ability to fly like some of the stuff he does is kind of ridiculous but his ability to fly specifically makes sense because of the fact is that it's just like when we go to the moon we're used to higher gravitational pulls so we can jump really high things like yeah. that it would be more of a jumping thing than a flying thing i think for it, sure but yeah also well yeah <laughs> they don't have that is one thing they don't really have in planetary there's no character that's kind of like superman actually there is there's the because they they show it's he doesn't look like superman though but he's like a he's like a gray alien oh the guy that's the pilot for the ship yeah the guy who's i, I think i mean i don't think he was like super i mean his origin is very similar because his parents basically send him oh was, that's right they but that's so yeah there's that one episode there's one book where they show the four killing Superman, yeah, Wonder, uh, Woman. Wonder Woman, and like Green Lantern, basically. Green Lantern, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they show they show the cape, they show like the Superman yeah. style cape, except for it's got a different logo. They've got just a lantern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they kill all those. They kill all three of those people so, so they don't cause trouble. Yeah. So they do have those those analogs as well in there. I mean, it would make it. Does, it would make, it doesn't make a lot of sense them not to, especially if they're like, hey, this is a book that is. Yeah playing with the concept of comic book history you know yeah i thought it was yeah that was i thought it was a a, i remember that the the superman analog i remember that episode or that issue just because i thought it was so weird that like especially for the the um wonder woman character Mm -hmm. where it's the super advanced island yeah and but they just don't know that there's these these evil creatures, these evil four people that live on the planet. Yeah, it's like that seems a bit far fetched. You would think they would have figured it out, but yeah, but he, they just uh, killed them with a what a particle beam from space. I think so. Yeah. They <laughs> obliterate their island, <laughs> and that's that is that that is fun how they do they because they do that thing where it is because when you first when you first read this when especially the first five or six issues. It just seems like it's all self-contained. There's no real connection aside from the characters. Yeah. And so I like that idea of just building a sl- the slow lore that turns into a bigger overarching story as it goes along. Well, seeming very like innocuous to start off with, but yeah, yeah, it's cool. I mean, like I said, it's one of my favorite books to read just because it doesn't it doesn't follow the the same trajectory as a lot of superhero comics. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would say that the, <laughs> it, the the narrative structure reminds me you know, almost like a Coen Brothers movie, how it never, all of their, some of their movies, I will say, I, I rewatching some of them, they do, some of them have a, like an ending, but like a lot of their movies just kind of end in, in the middle of a thought. Yeah. Or in like, yeah, the, who knows? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We like something, you know, something happened now. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not. I'm not a really opposed to that, honestly. Like yeah. it, it kind of life. Like there's no definitive ending in life until you're For dead. Sure. So if the movie doesn't end with all the characters being dead, it's not really done. Yeah. So you can end it just in the middle of something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I actually I enjoy the narrative structure more. On, the more the older I get, because it's kind of nice when things aren't completely tight tied with a bow essentially yeah. when there's not a neat way to end like or something there's still something looming in the presence i mean that's a good like horror movie trope too where, like, yeah you think the the guy's gone and then it <laughs> no, no, them, nope not yeah. gone at all <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have like 30 friday the 13th movies but not that many but a lot <laughs> <laughs> no there's a lot of them there's there is a lot of them yeah on a scale of one to ten multiversal portals what would you give this a book series whatever is the best one probably 10 okay yeah i mean it's 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 real good if you like comic books if you've read them for a while it's certainly i'm i'm sure i missed a ton of the references that are somewhere in there but there'll be a lot of things to to find like there's they reference a lot of crazy stuff that's 
in a very entertaining way. So I would, it, within that, I, I wouldn't give it a perfect score for that reason. I would give it like an eight or a nine, but I think it's one of those things where like as you, each time you read it, the score goes up essentially. Yeah. And just for that sake of like, you're not going to pick up everything the first time you read this. It's very similar to like the last book we read, actually. We yeah, on Invisibles. The, the Invisibles. How you need to read it so many times to like, even like kind of get a gist of what's going on. Yeah, that, that, it, Planetary <laughs> is not, not in the same league of weird as, no. as Invisibles, but it has similar, it's similarly not a superhero book. Yeah. Like people have powers, but it's not. Well, I would say it's similar in that narrative structure where it's meant to, you have, like, it's meant for you to pay more attention and it's meant for you to kind of get a little bit more if you, like, there's things that you're going to understand the second time you go through that you may not have figured out the first time. Also, I think the the similarity just occurred to me that the similarity in both Invisibles and Planetary mm-hmm. is that the main protect the rain antagonist is this thing is some force that is significantly more powerful than the characters that are yeah. fighting them and i mean they win kind of yeah like in, in invisibles they win a little like who, yeah you know it ends a lot more ambiguously than planetary for sure planetary they definitely win but it takes a whole lot like they you know they have to have a lot of help yeah and you know, figure things out. They have to, you know, they just, yeah, it's, it's a, it's very difficult for them to win. Yeah. And they, I think there's at least a couple, I mean, Elijah for sure mm-hmm. gets fucked over at least once. Yeah. But they managed to win, but also in planetary, the villains are not nearly as powerful as the villains in Invisibles. Well, for sure. Yeah. Which are <laughs> the the elder gods from beyond yeah. <laughs> beyond beyond the walls of reality. Like yeah. it's extra dimensional beings. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a whole nother level for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh I mean normally it's not really much else I would ask because uh you've already been on the podcast. So the fir- the questions I asked the first time someone was on aren't ones I asked the second time. I don't remember what those questions were though. They were just like about like kind of favorite comics and stuff like that oh. things that you got into comics things like that but since it's already been answered previously yeah. it, it feels a little redundant what i will say uh what i will ask is um is there any actually i'm just going to start doing this uh since you are someone who reads comics sure. do you have any like recommendations from stuff you've read recently that you would like, read rec- recently there's i was thinking about that like i like stuff that's like a little i mean like planetary or yeah. invisible it's like a little weird yeah there's a book, I think it's by Grant Morrison, called Nameless. I've heard of it, yeah. Um, that one's good. The Super Gods yeah. is very good. That guy, they, I can't remember what they called it. So whoever wrote Super Gods, I think it's Grant Morrison. Yeah, uh, I believe so. Or Warren Ellis, yeah. one of the two. They wrote three different series that were like kind of about superheroes in general. Yeah. Um, the ideas behind them. And there's another one. Oh man, I don't remember the name of it at all. I read the whole thing, <laughs> uh, but Super Gods is definitely good. I've reread that a few times. There's a comic book out there about a cosmonaut that gets like he comes back with like um, near omnipotent powers. Okay, and how that gets hand like how he deals with that, and then a couple more show up and what he does. Yeah, how they interact. Do you remember the name of it? <laughs> I'm 53, man. I can't remember shit anymore. That's all good. Well, (laughs) yeah, I wish I could remember because they're very good. It makes it a lot easier for sure. And Um, also, uh, I saw you have it up here. East of West is fucking fantastic. Very, very good. Very, yeah. Very good. Um, Hundred Bullets is good. mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are, those are cool. Okay. And is there anything you like to plug? Are you, are you doing uh, What's More Metal again? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing What's More Metal, which is a, a podcast where we take a topic of just random and um, we try to find the most metal. We decide what we think is the most metal th- part yeah. thing in that. But metal is a very ambiguous. So it's really like there's we don't really have a clear definition <laughs> of what that means. So it's really we just kind of make it up. Yeah. But inevitably, like uh, so many people are will like 
message us and be like, hey man, what do you think's more metal, a chainsaw or like a sword? And like, that's not, <laughs> yeah, that's not how this works. This is not, that's not the whole, we don't do that. Like no. we're not even, and it's not even, we don't even really debate it, honestly. Yeah. We're just like, oh, that was a good one. This one, here's, here's mine. Yeah. You know, like we did, um, and sometimes it's just silly. Like we did the most metal, meta, uh, metal medical procedure. That <laughs> okay. was, that was, I think, couple episodes ago okay and i just picked my vasectomy like that's <laughs> for me personally the definitely the most metal yeah medical procedure of all time like yeah. it, it's been the one that provided me the most joy that's for sure that's fair yeah um so it's just stuff like that that we come up with i think we're gonna do this last episode what do we do this last episode oh man i I I do so much. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, and that can be as a, like Spotify. Yeah, it's Spotify anywhere really. Podbean. I, okay. Any however you get podcasts, you can probably get our podcast. Anything else you like to plug? I mean, I don't. I'm not really running any shows right now, and okay. I don't know when this is coming out. But be next week. So uh, yeah, I, I really yeah. to be honest. I don't, you know how you see those people that mm. post like their dates and like some picture or whatever. Yeah. I've never been able to do that because I typically get booked for things like two days before. Oh, okay. Like somebody will drop out. So they'll have me headline. Makes sense. And then, but then they can't have me back for like six months. <laughs> yeah. So then they book people out and then somebody else doesn't show up six months from now yeah. and I'm headlining it again. So it doesn't really... I can't really knock out like, hey, these dates are yeah. where you can find is, me. Is there a social media they can find you to find, find that information? Uh, I did delete my Instagram account okay. because uh, I don't, that's just a Skinner box designed to make you feel bad. Yeah. Uh, I hate it with it's all of my being. Same reason I hate Facebook, honestly. Oh yeah. I hate Facebook too, <laughs> but I needed to keep, I need to keep one of them around yeah, for yeah, comedy yeah. That makes sense. and Instagram was just pissing me off so much. Well, after honestly, after they started adding the reels and they just they the more Instagram became more about just me, 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 me. And yeah. it's always been that to an extent. Sure. But it went from, hey, here's this place I can share my photos that I, you know, like took when I was on the beach or something like that with some yeah. friends so they don't have to look at my photo album or something like that yeah. to, you know, let me just try and be as fucking annoying as possible. Yeah. Like, and as soon as, because at first, at first they took the Snapchat idea with the stories where you could have these little like 10 second clips or, or mm -hmm. pictures. And then they started, which I will say for like sh upcoming shows, that's a, not a bad way to advertise sure. that. But like, and then they started doing the TikTok thing where there's these, you know, the reels. And that's mm -hmm. when I started just like, again, it's not bad if you want to have like a, if you want to show a joke off, but I also don't like, kind of don't like the fact that that's what comedy's becoming. Oh no. Is that's, that. It's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Cause like it used to be, you would, and, and, and I will say, okay, I will say in one way where people, when people use it and they show their dates and they're like, Hey, here's a good joke. And I don't want to spoil everything. Yeah. That's fine. But a lot of people just post anything and everything and like. Oh yeah. I'm not going to call anyone out, but I've definitely seen even people in our scene that like will post stuff that you don't even see a laugh in the video. And it's like, well, what was the point of this? <laughs> yeah. Why are you showing me this? Cause like if no one laughed in the audience, do you think anyone in the wide, wide world is going to be like, well, this is, that crowd was totally wrong. Like yeah. that's not how that's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like I, it's I agree. That's, that's very weird. I don't, I don't much care for it. And I think one of the things, one of the things, one of the, one of the unfortunate repercussions from mm. this is because now people don't want to post their actual material online. Yeah. So they post some bullshit crowd work. Mm -hmm. So now everybody that goes on Instagram, whose first experience with standup comedy, they just think that all of it it's crowd is work. crowd work. <laughs> so they come out and they're just like ready to share. Yeah. And they just start shouting shit. Yeah. And it's like, no, man, like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. <laughs> I don't I care at all about your life. Like, I want to make this very clear. Yeah. You're not interesting. I because if you were, you'd be up here. I went to a mic very recently on Beaverton and there, it was a oh, bar yeah. mic. Yeah. I know what, I know what that, I know what that one is. <laughs> and that one, it's, that, that one's interesting because it can be either really good or horrible. And nothing really in between most of the time. Right. I was on one of the nights where it was just weird. And there was this one guy 
with his friend. His friend was less loud, but he his this guy and he wasn't even super loud. He would just every time I told the joke, he'd be like, oh, that's a good one or something like that. Yeah. So what I do was I decided to give him all my attention for a second. And I just look at the, him. I was like, OK, let me let me learn a little about you. And I so what I did was since there wasn't a lot of crowd members, I sat next to him and started asking him stuff. And I was like, what do you what do you do for a living? And he's like software engineer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you do a lot of talking in that job, sir? And he's like, actually, yes. You know what you shouldn't do right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just like, I got him to shut up for the rest of my set because of the fact that he was just like, I, I not, I gave him attention, but not the kind of attention he wanted. Yeah. Basically, I just like told him to shut the fuck up, but I did it in a way where it was like, it was a little bit clever, but it was also kind of mean. But yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh. I don't know, man. Like people have, people just have an idea now of what it's going to be when you go to a yeah. show and it's not the kind of show that I want to do. No. I, th- I think, I mean, I legitimately think uh, this is, this will probably be divisive, but yeah. I just think that crowd work is just a parlor trick Yeah, that you use to amaze people who don't know what's going on because it's yeah. tremendously easy. It you feel people feel like, oh, this is it's gotta be he's so quick. This has got to be so hard. It's like, not nah, really, man. Like all I gotta do is talk to you for like just about anyone on earth. Yeah. If I talk to you for like two minutes, you're gonna say one weird thing yeah. that I can tee off on. And it's just gonna be easy. And a lot of times you'll see it if you if you watch a guy mm-hmm. again and again and again who does a lot of crowd work. Yeah. They say the same shit. Yeah. It's just like, they're just, they're just using you as a segue into their material. Yeah. And it's just annoying me. (laughs) I, but I hate it. I gotta admit, I hate it. And, but I mean, I will say you say it is easy, but there, I have seen horrible crowd work. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, all you've got to, you can't. So I would say that it's easy once you're an experienced yes, comedian. Yes. But if you're new and you try crowd work, you're probably going <laughs> to fuck up and you're going to make the crowd uncomfortable or hate you. Yeah, that's that, true. That's very common. But yeah, I mean, if you've been if you've been doing it for a while and you're you've quick on your feet, at least a li- even a little. Yeah. It's not too bad. Like or I I honestly think that it's it's so easy that it's it's upsetting when people think that it's awesome. Yeah. I'm like this you have this is dead simple, man. He's not mm. they're not doing anything amazing right now. They're just not they didn't write any jokes. So yeah. they're going to they're going to talk to you about stuff because they they haven't done any of the actual work. Mm-hmm. It's the laziest way to do comedy. It just drives me insane. Like I it's it's, it's sort of improv meets comedy. I yeah, it's yeah. A, I mean it's absolutely an yeah. improv. Yes, anding the audience. Mm-hmm. Like why why the fuck like yeah. I don't I the I've seen it the only way that I've seen it where it's interesting mm-hmm. there's this guy Adam Ray I don't know if you've gone to see him no his stand up is pretty good but he does crowd work but he sings okay. he makes songs out of the crowd work okay on the spot and that was so fucking amazing. Yeah. That blew my mind. Because I don't know how you do that. Yeah. And he had a guy on playing guitar on stage that would kind of like change it up based on what Adam was doing. They had like a good... Yeah. It was very simpatico. It was amazing. But that's the only... That's the only crowd work I've seen where I'm like, that's that's yeah. good. Everything but, else is just like, eh. But at the same time, it can be a good skill just to shut down someone who's yelling at I you. I don't think it's a... I don't... I just think... I think it's a crutch that a lot of yeah. people lean on for way too hard. That's fair. That's like, fair. Like, well, if you just like immediately, if, if you like, if within seconds of starting up on stage, you don't even tell a joke, you just start talking to the audience. Yeah. That, that means you, yeah, you didn't come up prepared. You're just trying to fuck around basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more like, like you can't, people think that they have to do, you should, you should crush at yeah. an open mic. No, no. You, you, if you're crushing every time, then you're waste you're, you're wasting your time. Either that yeah. or you're just way better than every other human being on earth. Sure. You just need to go there and like try something and have it fail Yeah. or, you know, whatever. Like you, you're not, you're not exploring anything. So these people, they'll tell a joke. They mm-hmm. plan on working like eight jokes. Yeah. They tell one, it bombs in their head. They're like, oh, but I need to be I have to entertain this crowd. Yeah. I'm just going to start doing crowd work. Yeah. And it just like, they, they cop out, they chicken out. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I definitely did that earlier on. I mean, I think that's, that's, 
it's definitely something that a lot of people, because it's that nervousness, it's the concept of when you learn that you're not always bombing when there's silence. You know, it's just like I was talking about with uh, John Mulaney. If you have, obviously, you want to have a lot of jokes and you want to have a lot of whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you know and you have the confidence that there's going to be a huge pop at the end of this thing, you can go a couple seconds without getting laughter and yeah. have confidence and comfortability. Obviously, you don't want to. I I I hate saying that like you can't. You know. <laughs> You cannot be bombing when there's silence because someone's going to listen to that and be like, oh, okay, I can just talk the entire time and tell one joke. The no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> no. No. I mean, and also you're probably, if you're listening to this, you're probably not John Mulaney. No. You're probably not even in the same league as John no. Mulaney. So don't, don't try to do the same things that those guys are doing. <laughs> like everybody's like, oh, Bill Burr talks for a long time. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, but he's Bill Burr, dude. Like yeah. you're not. And he's also, you also notice he's getting a lot of laughs per minute. Yeah. Like he's, he's just because it sounds second nature to him and he's been working on it. He's just found that, that rhythm to be able to tell jokes conversationally. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. No, he, uh, yeah. So people are just, I don't know. Anyway, comedy's yeah. weird. And <laughs> it is. <laughs> it annoys me to no end. And, and, and it does suck because there is that concept where somewhat, where it is too, there is, there's a lot of diversity there's not as much diversity as some people think, I think, sometimes, but because there's definitely been some comics that think they're doing great that just because they're doing weird and they get like a couple audience or they get a couple comedians laughing and like one audience that's really uncomfortable laughing that that's doing well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that happens all the time. It happens a lot. But yeah, anyway, I'm... <laughs> I'm not going to throw too much shade. I'm still a work, you know, a work in progress as a comic. So. Sure. Aren't we all? <laughs> exactly. All right. One last thing I like to ask, and it's just, just a silly question that I've just added to it is uh, what is the moral of the story? The moral of planetary? Yeah. Um, I think the moral of it is if you try to hide things from people, eventually it's all going to come out. So the fan, the Fantastic Four analog, the four mm -hmm. tried to hide a lot of stuff from the human race, but eventually it was going to come out. It didn't matter what they, you know, it doesn't matter what it is Yeah, that you're trying to hide. Eventually people will find out. Okay. And so that would be the moral of the story, I think. I think the moral is if a bunch of, if you're a member of a bunch of kids with superpowers that have a bomb strapped to your neck, you yeah. better be the last person. In better the be line. last in line. Yeah. Better be on the last on the row. Because <laughs> you might get saved. Like, yeah. <laughs> join a, join a whole excavation team. Anyway. I think Drummer was the only one that actually had superpowers in that whole room. Oh, was he? I believe so. Like, uh, there was a, there's part of that. In that issue, a couple of the guards are talking and they're like bitching about the kid at the end, the kid with the sticks. Cause they're like, ah, he fuck him. Like the, yeah. like the other kids were like hacking and they were doing all oh, right, okay. but he wasn't even touching the computer and he was like no. setting up Wi-Fi in the, in the building. So <laughs> it was a totally different thing. Makes sense. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening everybody and uh, have a weird day. Yeah. Keep it weird. 